I have to admit, I, I think it's just the coolest thing that on the Sunday after Easter, we have the privilege as a church to be commissioning people kind of into ministry. You know, as we can mission Dan and Jackie into the ministry of membership at Hope Chapel. And it really is a, a ministry. There's a niche to be found, a role to be played, contributions to be made. Then to have the privilege of commissioning Jay and Patty to go out and connect with Pleasant Street and to invest their gifts and their vision and their hearts at a place like that and, and help that church to grow to be a, a vibrant force in a community that's in so need, so much in need of that which is good and that which is healthy and that which is whole. That which is eternal. And then later in our, in our service, and probably in the second service, because none of them are here yet because they just don't get up that early, we'll have the privilege of recognizing a number of college seniors. And uh, there's a number of them who have been worshiping with us over their journey as they're here in the area for school, living somewhere else. And, and this will be their last Sunday with us before they head into finals and then off into graduation and then off into their lives. And it will be a ways in which we'll be sending them out. And what a great thing to be doing on the Sunday after... Easter. Because if you read through the scriptures, and I highlighted this in my column this week, one, one of the common refrains after the resurrection of Jesus Christ is, go and tell. You know, the, the women show up at the tomb, and the tomb is, is empty. And, as and they encounter Jesus. And what does he say to them? Go and tell my disciples, you know. Then in, in a, and then as Jesus meets his disciples and interacts with them, he commissions them. You know, we have the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You know, John puts it very succinctly. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Luke picks it up in Acts as he continues the gospel. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the othermost parts of the earth. I mean, he's, he's sending people out to go tell the story. What a great thing for us to be doing as a church on the Sunday after the Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. To be sending people out, commissioning people into ministry to go and tell. But, but I want to remind all of us this morning that that's our mission, that's our task in life, is to go and tell. So I, I want to share with you a message this morning in that spirit entitled, How to Give Away Your Faith. And I'm going to use an unusual text for this, one that I've, I've never preached it in this context before, from Matthew chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. It is listed at the top of your sermon outlines as well, verses 1 through 6. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. You'll find this in the 18th chapter. So if you're using one of our pew Bibles, you'll find this text. That's, I actually didn't look up the number. You got a page number over there, Beth? 830. There we go. But... Let me just begin reading with verse 1 and go down through verse 6. And like I said, I think you're going to find this an unusual text for this purpose. But in the heart of this, at the core of it, is a lot of things that speak to the heartbeat of being a people who give away their faith. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? This is not an uncommon question to them. They wrestle with this over and over again. How do I get ahead of everybody else? <laughs> That's the question that they're asking often. Focused in on self. This is how Jesus responds. Then he called the child to him and had him stand among them. So that I assure you, he said, unless you are converted, I love the way the New Living Translation puts it, unless you turn away from your sins and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. 
But whoever causes the downfall of one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. I told you it was an interesting passage to talk about, to use, to talk about how to give away your faith. But there's some things in this text that I think that are very important for us to see. Things that really can, can inspire us and lead us, guide us on giving away our faith to others. To being a people who are commissioned, a people who are sent. The disciples come with, a, with literally an age-old question. What does it take to be successful? And, in, and as you know, in their debates with one another, as we see from other parts of the New Testament, the Gospels, they were also often wrestling with, well, am I more important to the kingdom than you are? So it wasn't just a matter of how to be successful. It was, how do I be more successful than anybody else so that I can be the greatest in the kingdom? This was not a problem that went away. A little later, we see that James and John comes to Jesus, and they say, hey, we've got something to ask for you <laughs> of you. You know, when you come into your kingdom, we want to sit on the right and to the left of you. And, and as we reconstruct things, they may have thought they had an inside track because they were related to Jesus. And so when that doesn't work, even their mother comes and said, i got a request to make of you. You know, put my boys in. You know, it was, it was all about the success. And Jesus takes a small child, probably didn't know the child at all, calls them him into the midst of, it could have been her, into the midst of the disciples and say, unless you are converted and become like a small child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. There's some things that I'd like for us to see out of this text about what it takes to be a people who give away our faith. And the first thing that you really need to see, that, that I need to see, is that the journey of, of giving away our faith starts with having a faith to give away. It starts with having a story to tell. It's interesting that they're asking the question about how to be the greatest in the kingdom, and Jesus assumes they're not even in the kingdom yet, doesn't he? Look at that text. That's exactly what he said. They're saying, how do you get to be the greatest in the kingdom? <laughs> you know what he says? He says, I assure you, unless you were converted and become a you'll never even enter the kingdom of heaven. The, the place to start with giving our way our faith is to be a people who know that we have a faith in Christ. To be a people who, who have a story to tell. Not just to assume that we're a part of the kingdom, but to know we are a part of the kingdom. You know, it's not uncommon in our area of the country to encounter people who say, well, I've always been a Christian. And, and, and that just doesn't happen, folks. Most likely, if, if, if your assumption is, I've always been a Christian, I was born a Christian, nobody's born a Christian. People are born again to be a Christian, you know? And if we're at that position, a lot of us think we're in the kingdom, but we're not in the kingdom. Because it takes, what does he say here? Turning away from our sins, being converted, to have a change of heart. I think one of the reasons why Jesus holds up a child as in, is, is that child's, children have this incredible capacity to believe, don't they? I mean, think of some of the things that you believed as a child. Some of them are interesting. You know, we have certain beliefs related to Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy and some other things that go along with that. And we have kids in here, so I don't want to pursue that too far, you know. And, and, and yet there's other ways in which, to, I, when I was in college, one of the deacons that was served there was from Kansas. His name was Mike Allen. Went on to become a, a bivocational or a lay, lay pastor who started a church up in Augusta, Maine. And he was always teasing his daughter. And she was getting ready to go on a trip on an airplane. She'd never been on an airplane before. And he convinced her that, you know, and I think as soon as she got on the plane, she figured it out, you know, because people weren't doing it. But he, con she convinced, she, he convinced her that if she got out of her chair while the plane was flying, 
that if she didn't hold on to a chair or keep her feet on the ground, at least, that, you know, if she kind of like jumped up in the air, the plane would move at 500 miles an hour and she would just hit the back wall. You know, you, you know that kind of idea. The plane's moving, you're not. And she believed him, you know. And, and children like to believe. You know, they, they, they believe easily. That's a good trait. Not to be gullible, but to be believing. That's a part of the humility here. It's, it's, the, it's the ability to receive truth without having somebody to have to prove it to you kind of idea. But to receive it in faith because God's communicated to us and we've seen it in the, through the lives of others and we hear it in the words and the testimonies of others. And, and part of this journey for us starts with knowing that we have a story to tell. Actually turning and believing. We have people in our services all the time, I believe, who've never had that experience. They may know about God. They may know that God loves them, that God somehow is involved in the world and involved in their lives, but in terms of actually having an experience where they have turned, they have turned away from their sin and embraced faith, they have a hard time being like a child to believe that salvation, that eternity can be that easy. It's a huge struggle for us. But I've got to tell you, at, at the heart and the soul of being a people who give away our faith is actually having a faith to give away, a story to give away. Children are so much better than that. Statistics show us that, that the vast majority of believers make a decision for Christ by the time they're 18 years of age. Because once you kind of get beyond that, part, that point, you just get more skeptical. You get, it gets harder to believe. And we struggle with that belief. And isn't it interesting that in the way I, I just... I, I don't always like the way Eugene Peterson puts things in the message, but his translation of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, is, 8 through 10 is just really awesome. It's just, you know, saving, salvation is all God's idea. And it's all His work. All we do is trust Him enough to let Him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. He goes on and writes, he says, no one, no, we, we neither make or save ourselves. God does it all. I mean, and, and we as children of faith, we receive that we, we just believe that God's done it for us. And so if you're here this morning and you're not sure you have a story to tell, there's no reason why you can't have a story to tell by the time you leave this building this morning. I'm not saying that grace is easy because the life of discipleship is challenging and it's demanding. But salvation, the launch of that journey is easy. All it takes is the humility of a child. To say, I believe. If you're ready to take that step this morning, you can. there's some cards in the back of the chairs there or the back of your connection card. There's a place for you to indicate that you want to become a follower of Christ or to, to place your faith in Christ. And, and as, as you leave our auditorium this morning, there's a response table out in the back and you know, one of our elders will be there or I'll be hanging around and you can give us that card. We'd love just to have a chance to see how we can serve you as you follow up and get off to a great start in your new faith. But... but Having, giving away our faith starts with having a story to tell, having a faith to give away. But it, there's another step that goes with that. And it's out of the same phrasing. It says, you know, this idea, it, notice what it says, I assure you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Part of being a, a people who are commissioned, having a sense of urgency of being a people who give away our faith is actually having enough conviction that Jesus means what he says. If people don't believe, they can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, is that a conviction of your life? I didn't ask you if you believed it. 
I asked you, is that a conviction of your life? And there's a difference between those two things. We can believe it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We understand that. We embrace it. It's what we believe. That's our theology. But is it our conviction as we relate to the people who are part of our world? That unless they are converted, unless they turn away from their sins, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Is that a part of our conviction? Without that kind of conviction, we're not going to be a people who actively give away our faith. You and I will never have the urgency to be a commissioned people if we are not convicted that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets it. No one comes to the Father. No one gets into the kingdom of God without Him. We have to be a people of conviction. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Look, look what He says in verse 5. He says, And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. Not only do we have to have a story to tell, an experience to share, and if you're looking to kind of Capsulate your testimony. So, well, how do I kind of talk about my experience with Christ? Is, is talk about what your life was before Christ. Talk about what your life, how, how you came to know Christ. And talk about what your life's been since then. You know, and, and it doesn't matter. I mean, I was 11 years old when I came to know Christ. I've never doubted the sincerity or the realness of that conversion. I've had times where I've kind of wandered away from God, but I've never doubted it. Talk about my life before Christ, how God exposed me to the gospel and etc. There was that moment that I knew that that I really came to wrestle with the fact that I was a person who had been isolated from God by my sin, and I embraced Christ as my Savior at the age of 11 years old. And I've been learning and growing and, and, and seeking to understand all that it means and all that God can mean to me ever since then. And, and just share your story. But part of what Jesus says here is that once you have a story to tell, you have to be eager and ready and thrilled to share it. You have to be welcoming and inviting. Let's put it this way. If there was a big door here, and I stepped through the door into the kingdom, the imagery that Jesus uses is like, I hold the door open. I'm saying, hey, come on in. Come on in. You're inviting people in. Whoever welcomes one of these welcomes me. There's this eagerness to reach out and to connect with others, to be inviting, to invite people to connect with God. There's all that kind of imagery that comes up. And, you know, one of the things about children... Is, is they know how to have a good time. And it doesn't matter where they're at. You know, and, and sometimes we become children of God and then we become boring. And we have no fun, no joy. And there's, and there's no, no inviting this, no contagiousness at all to our lives, you know. And, and Jesus says, you know, a part of this is once you've entered into the kingdom, you become like a child to say, hey, this is great. You should become a child like me and invite others in. And, and it's a wonderful picture in here where he, Jesus cannot separate himself from the ones that he's came to come to redeem. If you welcome one of these, it's like you're welcoming me. And he, and he said, you know, you need to be eager to welcome people into your life. You know, as I started, ch- children in the hot party. I mean, we, we're in Rwanda. And you know, we, we'd look around and, and, and you, could, you could be sad for these children. You know, their shoes are tattered. They're way too big for them. They're, you know, their, their clothes are dirty. They and they're having a ball, just playing, just having fun. One, one of the joys of our life group, Andrew and Leslie are here. They're in our life group that meets at the Grippos, and their little son, Mateo, stays out with us. And even though he's sitting there with a bunch of boring adults, he can have a blast while we're having life group. You know, he, he gets the pens off of the things, and he can stick them in all the holes that are in the, in the, in the what do you call that thing, Lou, that's on the wall, you know, over there. They, they, they got a built-in shelf system, and he's depositing stuff, and he marches around the room like this, and, you know. And it's just one, you know, they can just have fun. He delights in trying to find a cup and see if he can find anything in it. You know, they can just have fun all the time. There's a way in which we need to be inviting people into the kingdom. Now, 
me give you a couple of things related to that. One is, in order, in order to be ready to invite everyone, anyone into the kingdom, you need to be ready to invite some into the kingdom. So I'd tell you as a part of developing this partying mentality is to allow the specific to grow into the general. Have a few people that you're praying for. Say, you know, God, give me an opportunity to invite them to walk through the door. And as you regularly pray about that, you'll become much better at sharing your faith with the people that you encounter in general. Some of you are, are, you struggle with, I wouldn't really know what to say. And how do you really present the gospel? Let me just give you a few verses to write down. And you can write these in your notes and and we can, we'll try to get something together and get it out to you and have it available in the lobby on a regular basis. But, but if you want to put together a gospel presentation, I think you only need four verse references to be able to do this well. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and Romans 10, 9 and 10. Let me, let me say those again. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And, and my thought was, you know, if you... If, you're not even interested enough to be able to go look these up and put them together, then you're probably not going to use anything we put together anyway. So, but we, we have to have this inviting... I love this story, and I need to move on to my last point. I love this, some of you are doing the chronological reading, reading plan, and you're going to get to it, or you're already there, where in 2 Kings 7, you know, the, the, the Assyrians have come and they've laid seeds to Jerusalem, and there's nothing left in Jerusalem. No water, no food, they're all starving. There's these lepers, four lepers who are sitting outside the door of the gate of the city. And they can't beg from anybody because nobody has anything. So they say to themselves, if we sit here, we're going to die. If we go into Jerusalem, we're going to die because they don't have any food either. Let's just go out and surrender to the Assyrians. Maybe they'll at least feed us. So they go out to the Assyrian camp. And guess what? When they get there, the camp is empty. The tents are still set up. All the supplies are there. The tables are still set. There's food on the table. There's, there's drink to be had. And and the Assyrians somehow, and the scripture tells us that God had made some noises in the night and they thought they were under attack and they had just run and they had just abandoned their camp. And these four guys, they sit down at the table and they start to just gorge themselves on food. And then one of them says, you know, what we're doing isn't right. What we're doing isn't right. I mean, God's done this for everybody. We need to go back into the city and tell the people at the palace that there's food, there's deliverance for everyone. For us to have the story and not to offer it to invite any others into it is to do what's not right in the eyes of God. To share that story, to be inviting, welcoming, inviting, to hold open the door of the kingdom. One last piece to this. Verse 6. But whoever causes the downfall of one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. You know, I have to admit that it's a hard time for me now to, to read this passage of Scripture and not, not hear the echoes. What the, the, the priest here in town, Jim uh, Studeman, you know, we were talking a little bit about family things and people getting to church on time and leaving early and all these kinds of things. And he was at his last parish for like 18 years and he got so comfortable with them. He said, you know, so one time he says, he was talking to the whole parish and he said, listen, so those of you who caused one of your kids to stumble, said by showing up late or getting up and leaving early, and only Judas leaves early. <laughs> you know, he says, it would be better for you to have a heavy nail stone tied around your neck. And, you know, but he, he made that application. I don't want to go there. What he is saying here. You guys can make your own implications. Jesus emphasizes the importance of modeling the Christian faith. If there's things that we're doing in our lives that diminish the glory of the gospel. We're causing people to stumble. He says, and you're better off 
to go tie a huge rock around your neck that you can't escape from and go jump into the sea because that's not going to be as bad as what happens from the disappointment with God if you're one of those folks who cause others to stumble and not take a step forward. I mean, we live in a society at this point in time that is incredibly aware of the impact of family of origin, are we not? I mean, we seem to be fixated on how our families, where we grew up, impact our lives because leading and modeling is incredibly important. And one of the things I'd say to you is if we're going to be a people who give away our faith, we have to be a people who have a credible witness. You know, we have to have, there has to be credibility to it. You know, and, and that just spreads out to so many different things. But, but if we are going to give away our faith and we expect that, that offer that we make to have any impact, there has to be a level of credibility behind it. There has to be a life that, that has this gospel content in it. You know, I, I read just a few minutes ago a kind of like a, a, a late passage to Jay and Patty from 1 Timothy 4. And what a wonderful guide for us that in our speech, in our conduct, in our love, in our faith, and in our purity, all of that should be an example to those who believe. As a commissioned people, as a people who want to be advocates for God, we're not free anymore. The Scripture talks about us as bond slaves of Christ. And with that, we are just not free to live any way that we want. And, it, and, and I just got this incredible list of things that we got, got to put away. I mean, we cannot be an unloving people, an uncaring people, and think that we're going to be able to give away our faith with impact. We cannot be an impure people and think we're going to give away our life with any great credibility, give away our faith. We, we, we can't be a people who, who at one moment are, are blessing God and another that are using foul language. We just can't. We have to be upstanding in our speech. We can't be a fearful people. We can't be a bitter or critical or malicious kind of people. We can't be untrustworthy. We can't be blowhards who always seem to have the best story all the time. We can't be paranoid. We can't be self-centered. We can't be any of those things. We have to have a life of credibility that backs up the gospel. A life that doesn't cause anyone to stumble. So that we're not in a scenario where... We share our faith with somebody and they're thinking in their own heads, this is hard enough to believe, but from coming from you, him, it's absolutely impossible to believe. That's not where we want to be. Some of you here have known the joy that I have known, that you can clearly see how God has used you to lead somebody else into an experience of faith. It's probably the greatest thrill on earth. God has commissioned every one of us to have that thrill, to be a people who can give our faith away. Let us become like children. Let's pray together. I suspect there may be some here this morning saying, I wonder if I really have this kind of relationship with God that could be called a conversion, that could be called a turning away and becoming like a child. You can set, begin to be a part of that group that begins setting the example today. If you'll just pray something like this in your own heart. Yes, Lord, I believe. I trust you. And I believe what you've said in your word. I accept your gift of forgiveness, the forgiveness provided by Christ on the cross. And I give my life to you today. Father, let the prayer be fulfilled that each of us who have said that prayer and meant it would depart from this place today eager to have the greatest thrill on earth, which is to give our faith away to others for your glory. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And then with me as we sing a final song of celebration, as we party just a little bit here at the end of our service, and as we... Start the party and invite our ushers to come forward and to receive our offering. Again, I invite you to place your connection cards in there. And again, if you are a guest, please stop by and grab one of the DVDs as you depart today. Let's sing to our God together.